You can listen to The Professional Left wherever you get your podcasts, on Netroots Radio, or at our website, proleftpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for August 7th, 2020. It's not safe for work. Coming to you live from the Cornfield Resistance, where it turns out that Joe Biden's arms are not too short to box with God. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Hey, Drift Glass. Hey, Blue Gal. Okay, so this brings up a a core question that I have. Wow. For you and for our listeners. Jumping right into core questions. Okay. Yeah, because Donald Trump said... You know, it would be bad for God. Yes, poor God. Donald, that Joe Biden's going to hurt God. Didn't say which God, though, did he? Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Well, okay, so you're making a joke. No, I, that, actually, I'm taking it quite seriously, and I think I know where you're going, but please, please continue. Well, and I wrote this in our notes. Are we taking Donald Trump too seriously or not seriously enough? Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that some of our listeners have written us about, which is, what do we do about things like Portland? Right. What do we do about things where he's actually deciding, as Ali Velshi said last night, he said, Black Lives Matter protesters are violent Marxist anarchists who burn down cities and must be dominated by police. Right. And then and then he sends out federal cops with no notification as to who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's totally unconstitutional for him to do this. And... Uh, as soon as they leave town, peace is restored. It's clearly a police riot. Yeah. Well, it's clearly designed to that he's create generating. footage yes. for ads. Right. But to say that this is Joe Biden's America when it's actually live footage of Donald Trump's America. Well, he's not talking to us, so we're not, we don't well, figure Well, in- okay. So he's not talking to us. So are, do we take Donald Trump too seriously or are we not taking him seriously enough? I, I take him very seriously. I think deadly seriously. I think he's killed more Americans than any other president, mm-hmm. other than Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. Um, and he's going to keep right on doing it. He's put children in cages. He's taken health care away from some people. He's trying to take it away from millions of people. He has violated the law. He has fucked up every institution he touches. And he's done it all quite on purpose. And he has gotten away with it because the entire Republican Party is rotten from the head down. Because Republican voters are racist idiots and who go along with everything he says and because he's packed the courts with people who will just look the other way if he does something horrible. Is it constitutional for him to give a an address, a political address from the Oval Office or from the White House? No. Is he going to do it anyway? Sure. Because why? Because there's no cop on the beat dragging his sorry ass out of the White House and putting him in jail for breaking the law. And there never will be. Until he's out of office, all of these things will continue. I look at him grunting out he's hurting god guns the bible and our energy or whatever you know that that sounds ridiculous right that sounds like you know but what what is it it's the lobotomized cliff notes version of what republicans have been saying for 30 years Mm -hmm. the party of god guns and gays still has god and guns and are still perfectly willing to pull those out he just doesn't know how to push that button uh, smoothly. 
He doesn't know well, how to. And eat. now there's a big concern within certain Republican ranks mm-hmm. that Donald Trump come out against transgender individuals oh. because the evangelicals they aren't getting everything they want from yeah. Donald Trump. And I, I just, if you really want to solidify that, you got to hate transgender people. Well, and I, I just I, I got done just literally moments before we started this, listening to the first few minutes of the Friday address from Bill Crystal on the Bulwark podcast, talking to Charlie Sykes, and they're wringing their hands over, "Oh my God, this is this is so beneath the office of the president." This sort of grunting out, "Ook ook, God, ook ook, guns." Yeah, but you are the party. That mm-hmm. used mm-hmm. scaring the shit out of people over the godless heathen commie liberals, over scaring the shit out of the people that that Barack Obama is going to kick down their door. The black guy's going to come for their guns. That's your party. You mm-hmm. built that party. What, and and every election cycle, it's it's like um, I forget what it's called. Um, not Bodie's law. It's 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 the computer Moore's law. Mm-hmm. Moore's law, where everything gets twice as fast and half as expensive every two years or or every eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Every election cycle, Republicans get twice as stupid. So mm-hmm. you don't need to have high-flown eloquence about the godlessness and the the, the contempt with which real you know, the liberals hold Christianity and blah, 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 blah. You don't need Chris Hitchens-style rhetoric to move mm-hmm. the masses anymore. You can just go, ook, ook, God, ook, ook, Biden, bad, guns, and the morons will, will know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I take him very seriously. He has, he has successfully um, – tracked the the devolution of the mental state of the Republican Party to about right. as low as you can get before you reach the level of cattle. But Well, and that that brings to mind uh, something I've said long before about John McCain's election yeah. and how, you know, I saw in a restaurant, I knew John McCain was going to lose when I saw in a restaurant the waitress shame a customer. You're going to vote for McCain Palin? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, how embarrassing. And it's it's going to be a very interesting hundred days or less than hundred days when we look at uh, over and over again these viral videos mm-hmm. of people not wearing masks, and all of a sudden, are you? The question is: Is the average voter embarrassed to be associated with those people? Yeah. And we're going to have a longer conversation about the Trump voter and who identifies as a Trump voter. Mm-hmm. You know, already you're seeing Fox News talk about the secret Trump voter who's embarrassed to say so, but will go to the ballot box sure. and vote for Trump. We call them the uh, imaginary Trump voters. The yeah. imaginary Trump yeah. voter. But yeah, but the question is, does the critical mass of voters that we need, mm-hmm. and we need a landslide, yes, we do. Uh, say, oh, no, I'm not doing the, the N-word, N-word, N-word thing. Because that's not who I am. I will not identify with that. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to vote for Trump as a joke this time around. No. Uh, it's not a joke. Well, there, so, are, there are enough people who are, you know, uh, dead enders of a certain campaign mm-hmm. who are still mm-hmm. adamant that Joe Biden is a corporatist fascist monster oh, who yeah. is no worse than Donald Trump. And I, and I will start. Now, these people are, you know, relatively small in number. And that's. That's good, but the idea that there are no marginal figures left in the political universe with very large followings who mm-hmm. cook up these insane reasons not to preserve democracy because if you're if you're a Republican, you you hate democracy, mm-hmm. and if you're a if you're a brochialist, you you think democracy is a sham that should be you know overthrown, 
and then the proletariats will rise up and you'll have your revolution and everything will yeah, work I out think, fine. I think, I think you're right. I think that's a straw man. I think that's a yeah. very few and far between voter. Yeah. They're loud. Also, yeah. I don't mind having those folks in our tent because anyone who wants to hold Biden accountable once this election is over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm all I'm all for that. And I'm not going to be easy on Biden once he's elected, because we do need I mean, we do need to move left. We need to be partisan. We right. need to get get the Senate, hold the Senate. Partisan is not a dirty word. Partisan no, and we're going to a- talk about that, too. I want to get to that. Mention one more thing about John McCain. John McCain in 2000 went down to Liberty University and called um, Jerry Falwell everything but a child of God. And he mm-hmm. lost. And John McCain, who knows how Republicans are, in 2008 went down to Liberty University to kiss Jerry Falwell's ass. Just, I'm just saying John McCain understood the Republican Party as it was, as it is, as it always shall be. And, you know, the people who didn't desert the GOP when Jerry Falwell was their standard bearer are not going to desert the GOP now that Jerry Falwell unzipped drawers next to a young lady on a yacht drinking wine. Uh, it, now that his daddy has gone to hell and he's taken over the business. These people right. are, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say they are reprogrammable. You just well, tell and, them. And let's talk for a minute about suing the NRA. Okay. And the reaction from right wingers on that. Sure. Which is what about the Clinton foundation? Right. It's always <laughs> what about, it's always what about something. Yeah. 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 No, it, there's a, there's a part of the software in the Republican brain that knows immediately to what about something the minute they're mm-hmm. attacked. What the about minute- Planned Parenthood? Sure. As if, and that would be fair then. If we shut down Planned Parenthood and fair. the NRA. Yeah, because everything is not about a crime, even a crime committed against you, meaning uh-huh. the people that are speaking about the NRA and Planned Parenthood. People in the NRA stole from NRA donors. That's right. what happened. You, A crime was committed against pro NRA people. Right. They stole from you. Right. And and the answer is yeah, but that's our team. Right. And I don't care if somebody on our team steals from me. Well, and this is also why I have said since I started debating people back in the 90s over this shit that both siderism is the greater sin. Yeah. Because Republicans can only argue their stupid, racist, shitty anti-science philosophy so far. Eventually, it just blows up in their face. And rather, because they're not morally or intellectually capable of addressing the error and fixing it because they are the problem, they have a little piece of software in their head that says, go to whataboutism. Mm -hmm. Both sides Mm -hmm. do it. Both sides are bad. I'm not a bad person because liberals are just as bad or worse. And, and and, And the examples they cite are, of course, equally bullshit to their original argument. But it doesn't matter to them. They're, 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 they don't care about any of this stuff at all. Yeah, yeah. They care about not being wrong. And, yeah. and winning, being winning a as, point. Right. Yes, winning a point. Yeah, and Liberals being just as bad mean they're not morally inferior to liberals. And let me tell you, conservatives are morally inferior to liberals in every imaginable way. They are failures as people and as citizens and as children of God. I'm going to get you off of your out of off of that for a moment because right. I want to talk about for briefly huh? um, Thailand and yes. uh, <laughs> Yosemite, which, yeah. as right. I said on Twitter, that's how he greets Jared. Right. Um, when and I want to say something in Donald Trump's defense okay. about the Thailand thing. Uh, 
Both of these mispronunciations are a total failure to have a competent staff. Right. And I know that Nicole Wallace, when she worked for George W. Bush, would spell things out phonetically in speeches. You mean nuclear George? Nuclear. She would type things out or whoever was doing his his Mm -hmm. speeches on the teleprompter would make sure. And if you are a good staffer for a boss who... Regardless, we're all human. You're in. You're there with lights and cameras, and you're on stage, and there's nerves, and you're pronouncing other countries' words you don't use every day. And so, anything you can do to write things out phonetically so that you're you're guarding against any possibility of mispronunciation, because you know that's going to be the thing that goes viral, right? Staff do this for mm-hmm. bosses that give speeches. They they do it. And Donald Trump has no staff. He has no competency. He doesn't rehearse what he says. And when he does rehearse it or when he does have a written thing, he goes off course. And if he had had a competent staff, they would have written out Yo Sam Mitty, M-I-T-T-Y. Right. They would have written out Thailand, T-A-Y or T-I-E land. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have made sure regardless of where he was in the speech that he said things correctly. Look at that. Look down at that red monstrosity around your neck. Thailand. <laughs> Thailand. Yes. Now, Donald Trump corrected himself. He corrected himself when he said Thailand. Immediately. Mm-hmm. He said Thailand. Within one sentence, he corrected himself. Mm-hmm. Dinesh D'Souza jumps on Twitter and over the course of an afternoon continually defends the use of the term Thailand. Well, he would, wouldn't he? (laughs) What happens when your God can never be wrong and then corrects himself? Well, there is a self-correcting mechanism Mm -hmm. in in the brain of the conservatives who simply do not recognize conflict or or it's Orwellian. You know, that we've always been at war with East Asia. Yeah. And yeah. you just go, you just double think, you just go along with it. If you are a conservative, if you are still a Republican, if you still have an R after your name, you have spent literally decades training yourself to ignore the shit you said yesterday and pretending it didn't happen or pretending it doesn't matter or pretending, oh, look over there. There's something even worse that some liberal did. And so it at this point, I've said this before, and I, I, I don't mean to be – um cruel, but we are arguing with a different species of humanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just fucking wired different at this point. And this is where liberals are constantly fucking up. And even, you know, this is where the never Trumpers are just incredulous that people behave this way, even mm-hmm. though they trained them to behave this way. Mm-hmm. They can't believe that these people actually believe and look at Donald Trump grunting about God and guns to, would actually fall for this shit. Like, fuck you. You rewired their brains through Fox News and hate radio to exactly this level of stupidity. This is the plan. You plan to build an army of morons who would vote for anything you wanted. You got it. <laughs> and a con man came in and said, oh, I mean, all I have to do is tell these mopes out loud what you people will t- you only tell them behind closed doors. Yeah. Cool. And if I and- repeat it, if I repeat everything that I hear on Fox News, they'll say, he's saying what I'm thinking. Right. Yep. And, but, but what about the indignity and the outrage? Oh, no, no. Those are liberal things. Those mm-hmm. are you can do any anyone who says that you're wrong or that you're bad or that you're racist you you can ignore those people they're all liberals that's all fake news you you 
Bill Crystal, you, David Brooks, you, Rick Wilson, train these people to think this way. You train them to automatically go to both sides, do it every time they're their default as their default setting when they fuck up. So what? Well, and you- so and so this dovetails very nicely into one of the main themes of today's show. Yes, which is the crazy right and the socialist left. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The center. Because- the- both sides. And we really need a center par- party, Driftglass. We do. We need a centrist party so bad. I, you know, this is the last two pages of Stuart Stevens' book, right? Two paragraphs, yeah, It right? is. It is. He yeah. says this. In a, we got his book. Mm-hmm. And to be fair to him, and I think you have been. Yes. Uh, he does say it was all a lie. He does say that Republicans have no morals or they ha- they have no creed that they will be loyal to. They don't right. care about deficits. They don't care about national defense. They care about power and they care about winning. And uh, it was all- anything that that you hear about conservative principles was all a lie. And he's, right. he's much more honest than many, many people on the right about right. that. Which makes, as I said before, for I'm sure some very interesting staff meetings at at the Lincoln Lads Project. <laughs> So, to be fair, he says all of that. And then we get to the penultimate page of his book, Mm -hmm. where he says, with the Democratic Party moving ever more dangerously left. Oh, oh, there we go. (laughs) Save the good stuff for the last page there, Stuart. It's essential that we get back to a center-right party that believes in the the conservative principles mm-hmm. that I have always believed are true. Right. Okay. That, well, a conservative party that believes in something, in anything. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. the We crazy lefties all do believe in universal health care, and we believe mm-hmm. in, in universal free adult education, and we believe in a minimum wage that is a living wage, and we believe in the dignity of labor, and we believe in protecting the environment, and we believe in sexual equality, equality for everyone, LGBTQ, etc., We believe in civil rights. We believe in voting. We have a long list of things we believe in, none of which are crazy liberal lefty lefty ideas. They have been turned into that by people like Stuart Stevens because they needed someone to hate. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. going back to fucking Reagan and before that, the idea of Medicare was socialism that will destroy Mm -hmm. America. And Mm -hmm. and they've been locked into that for, for 50 years. And so the idea that, you know, what we really need in this country is a center-right party to balance this is off the, the thing. crazy This is left. the lifeboat. This is the lifeboat that they're all building now, well, is centrism, by, by the HMS centrism. Yeah. And, and it is all of them. It is all of yeah, them. it is all this of is, them. This is the lifeboat for the for the people who are terrified of cancel culture, who are oh, afraid geez. that they're that, – for what you and I would consider our six-month performance evaluation, <laughs> people like Andrew Sullivan and David Brooks consider, you know, the, the, the jackboot of – fascism on their throat and who write in this in the sense of moral indignation that anyone ever holds them accountable for anything because they're above that they're men of ideas and holding people of ideas accountable for shit is against the rules but all of them and i've read all of them i read all of them currently i read andrew sullivan today andrew sullivan does not believe in burning the republican party down he believes in holding it intact and changing its leadership because it's and we'll get to the problem of the Republican voter in a second. But his belief is that sure, but we need a right party that believes in the environment and believes in gay rights and believes. I'm like, wait a minute, you're describing, <laughs> you're describing the Democratic platform. But and this goes back to the way Andrew Sullivan's always been. Andrew Sullivan is a fucking liberal, 
But Andrew mm-hmm. Sullivan cannot be a gay liberal because then he's one of a million gay liberals out no there. No one will pay attention no to him. Pay attention. So right. he has to be the Tory Catholic conservative gay libertarian pot smoking whatever 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 who's who's just a professional eccentric a professional contrarian asshole so whatever position you take he's going to take the opposite position and tell you why you're wrong and that's just worn very thin in the in the in the shadow of the actual fascism that republicans are casting over this country so he really does believe but we need we need a center right party to con- to to balance out the crazy liberal left thing, all of which he believes in. And the only distinction he makes is cultural conservatism has to be part of it. But he doesn't mean cultural wars. No, 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 no. He means loving your country. Because, of course, Democrats don't love their country, which is why we fight for it so hard. And it, it is this it is this desperate need to remain employed. I need to keep getting paid for having opinions that are objectively shitty. So what I will do is what I've been doing for the last 15, 20 years, which is just carve out this imaginary center between the crazy left and the loony right. And that's where reasonable people will meet. And that's where you'll find every single one of these people. Um, if I can just read one more thing. Sure. Um, this is from a back and forth on the Bulwark podcast that actually touches on a, an article from the New Republic that we're going to mention in, in, in greater depth, I believe. But this is Rick Wilson and, and Charlie Sykes talking about um, an article in the New Republic critiquing a book on Never Trumpers. Okay. And here's something I don't think I've, you've seen. The New Republic has a review of the new book about Never Trumpers. They assigned a very left Yale professor who hates Never Trumpers. And here's his conclusion. And here's what the writer actually wrote. Um, that while the people who wrote this book are right, the Never Trumper phenomenon will have lasting effects. Those effects are not the ones they propose. The significance, I'm just going to summarize him now, is not that they're going to change the Republican Party in any way, but that they're going to change the Democratic Party. It mm. turns out to be um, that within the Democratic Party, whose members have chosen to convert enemies into friends, their job is to set up a guardrail against the capture of the party by the left. The legacy of Never Trumpers so far is stopping progress rather than saving democracy. And he, it's very clear. These people are trying to get into the Democratic Party to stop us from being liberals. Because <laughs> yeah. their party is shit. Their party is uninhabitable by them. They need a, they need a place being essentially parasitic. They need a place to, to nest. And so they're going to come in and try to take over the Democratic Party by making it a center-right party, which it kind of already is. Um, and Charlie Sykes reads this and says, now my reaction to that is basically he's saying that like it's a bad thing. It's like, no, that's exactly right. We were warning the Democrats. Then Rick Wilson chimes in with, he's happy that this is true. Yes, of course it's true. The goal of them is not to rehabilitate the Republican Party. Their goal is to get inside the Democratic Party long enough to gum up the works and keep the Democratic Party from moving all in the name of centrism. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the problem. It's the same goddamn problem that we faced under Obama. It's the same goddamn problem we faced under Bush and even under Clinton. No matter what Democrats do, no matter how consistently they compromise, Barack Obama was eight years of compromise, eight mm-hmm. years of sane, sensible, thoughtful, et cetera, et cetera, leadership um, that reached out to the Republican Party at every step. And it was eight years of obstruction and slander and racism. And the Republican Party elected the king of the birthers. So it was a it was an example. It was a it was a template in excellent leadership if you want to have someone who does compromise in a thoughtful, sane way. 
I happen to disagree massively with that approach because I believe, and I believe it's been borne out by facts, the Republican Party was was unsalvageable back then. There mm-hmm. was no hope for it then, and attempting to compromise with it was a complete fucking waste of time. But that's water under the bridge. And yet Andrew Sullivan continues to believe that the Republican Party can be saved by leadership. <laughs> no, the Republican Party was shown an example of leadership for eight years, and they told him to fuck off. And then they elected the king of the birthers. Donald Trump didn't win in the Republican Party because of the sheer force of his personality. He won in the Republican Party because he told a party of bigots and imbeciles the lies they wanted to believe. That's why he won. That's how he led them. That's how he continues to lead them. So this fantasy that you're going to lead these morons into a more enlightened state where they're not going to be the same people they've been for the last 30 years is ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. it is the Mm -hmm. shoals on which every critique from the right crashes, except for Stuart Stevens, who's willing to say, yeah, the party's a fucking mess and needs to be burned to the ground. Except, of course. And I I think it's important to remember, too, that every candidate in the Republican Party on the debate stage in 2016 wanted to take away my health insurance. Yep. They all put their hands right It's not just Trump. And and what set Trump apart was he ran against Bush. Mm-hmm. He was the one who ran against George W. Bush and ran against Jeb Bush and said, no, John uh, Je- George W. Bush didn't keep us safe and allowed an out for shamed Republicans who were ashamed that Bush had lied to them mm-hmm. and had been a loser. And they had to do, you know, they had to create the Tea Party to reinvent themselves, to forget that they'd ever supported George W. Bush and Trump gave them an out. Yeah, he's my guy. Yeah. Because he's he's he tells the truth. He knows that George W. Bush didn't keep us safe. Well, he, he ran against George W. Bush and Mexicans. Yeah, and Mexicans. There you, you go. Know, that's, and that compassionate conservatism. Right. He, he, he was willing to punch liberals and punch hippies, and he still is. Uh, I want to congratulate Cori Bush for winning her primary in Missouri. Uh, African-American woman activist. And uh, this is going to be, this is the other thing that's going to be a big problem for the Republican Party. Uh, How to not appear racist and sexist (laughs) when 130 black women are running for Congress. Yeah. This year. Yeah. And yes, uh, 32 of those are Republicans. Mm -hmm. 98 are Democrats. 75 Latinas are running as major party congressional candidates. 41 Asian or Pacific Islander women mm-hmm. are running for Congress. 16 Middle Eastern or North African women are running for Congress. And they're all doing that because five or six women in the squad came forward. Showed them the way. And showed them how to do this. Yep. Yep. And... uh just a quick note. I'm not going to read this, but I would like to recommend that everyone Google the words, we have her back. Mm-hmm. Uh, a group of women from the National Women's Law Center, NARAL, Planned Parenthood, Emily's List, Supermajority, that's Cecile Richards group, Time's Up, have come out before Joe Biden announces which woman will be his running mate. And they have done an open letter to news division heads, editors and chiefs, etc., to say, we are watching you. And if you decide to cover the woman running with Joe Biden and talk about whether she is liked or not, talk about her hair, weight, tone of voice, attractiveness, 
talk about her electability. Her ambition. Uh, doubt whether she can be a qualified leader. Mm-hmm. Um, or talk about her heritage in a way that questions whether she is legitimately American. Uh, those kind of racist and sexist ways of covering a race are over. And we are watching and we're going to call you out and it, we will blame the media for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are some pretty powerful voices with large mailing lists. Well, and that, so that this part is about, not part about calling out the media. That is so important. That is yeah. so important. That's yeah. that's the lens through which all of this shit is filtered. And you really right. have to refocus that lens or it's never going to change. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what is right? I mean, if you want to talk about Donald Trump's hair and makeup <laughs> at the same time sure. or his tone, mm-hmm. you know, whether he's legitimate or not, we could we could go on that all day, both sides. Uh, and then I wanted to recommend um, – a, a book review article called Save the Party, Save the World by Joseph O'Neill. It is in the August 20th, 2020 New York Review of Books, which is online. This article is online. And just so you know, uh, uh-huh. our home life is my wife reading me the New York Review of Books <laughs> in <laughs> Their bed. political coverage is really good. Yeah. No, just sitting in bed uh, and having my wife reading me the New York Review of Books. <laughs> I have the best life imaginable, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, and and this is an essay, but it's a uh, review of two books, one by E.J. Dion Jr. called Code Red, How Progressives and Moderates Can Unite to Save Our Country. And by Eitan Hirsch, Politics is for Power, How to Move Beyond Political Hobbyism, Take Action and Make Real Change. And uh, I have a big beef with Eitan Hirsch's argument. Um, he uh, is saying that there's too much political hobbyism on the left, which includes listening to podcasts. (laughs) And hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. no, seriously. Uh, What he wanted to do in Massachusetts was do some really hardcore canvassing. And the Democratic Party in Brookline, Massachusetts said, no, 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 we just want to win political races. And we were going to do our canvassing during elections. Mm -hmm. And but the kind of political action that he sees as legitimate is very hard for mothers to do. Mm-hmm. And he is ignoring a lot of the activism that goes on online with women that works. And uh, you see that in Black Lives Matter. You see that in um, the, so the Women's March. The Women's March. The yeah. Women's March, which yeah. you might remember, was dismissed out of hand as frivolous and a waste of time by New York Times op-ed columnist David Brooks. Right. And so a lot of what is seen as political hobbyism, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and yes, sitting down and watching Rachel Maddow with a big glass of wine, listening to the professional left every Friday night should not be the end of your political activity. No. I am not recommending that. Now, it should be but, part of your political life. But it activity. should be part of your political life. Right. Yes, those mm-hmm. things matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I get it. Political hobbyism, if it's if you're just watching and not doing anything, you need to to. Do postcards to voters. You need to be active and and so forth. But again, I think Etan Hirsch is ignoring women's activism or is diminishing women's activism uh, because mothers do it differently. And people with children at home do not go and start knocking door to door and spending eight hours a day doing that because they can't. Um, But the end of this essay, and this essay, again, is written by Joseph O'Neill. And he's talking about how uh, 
he's talking about the importance of partisanship for Democrats. And I really love his recommendations because as we have been talking about, the the idea of retreating to, oh, well, both sides, centrism, let's bring the country together uh-huh. uh, and compromise some more with our friends on the other side of the aisle is not going to work with a planet that is catching fire. No, nope. Uh, we, we simply can't afford to do that anymore. And so I'm just going to read a little bit of this uh, ending of this article and what his recommendations are. Embrace, number one, embrace the principle of dignity as a central partisan theme, meaning the dignity of every worker, the dignity of every gender, the dignity of every sexual orientation, etc. Mm-hmm. Second, appoint figures trusted by the left to senior positions in the Biden administration and in the party organization. The progressive younger wing of the party is almost completely without representation in the congressional and Democratic National Committee leaderships. That is a scandal. Totally agree with that. Uh, Third, the Biden administration and its allies in Congress must take the strongest legislative and executive action possible to do what Democrats, younger ones in particular, want them to do. A Green New Deal with a substantial jobs component will be crucial. Taxing the rich a lot more will be essential, as will a historic leap forward in health care. It is time to do stuff that Democrats like. Yeah. And I, I would add without apology. Uh, and and that will create partisan loyalty. I and mean, this is what FDR did. People were grateful to him right. for the extra money and for the electricity in their homes, et cetera. And he made no bones about the fact that Republicans I welcome hated their him. hatred. I welcome their <laughs> hatred. Like, yeah. no, no, these fuckers yeah. are standing in our way. And now that we have an overwhelming majority, we're just going to push them aside because they're the people who caused this problem and we are going to fix it. Fourth, substantiate the narrative of dignity by reforming the police and ICE, fixing voter suppression and fast tracking immigration reform. Such measures are supported by the majority of Americans and are urgently awaited by party loyalists of color. Again, he's saying make Democrats happy. That is essential. Fifth, enact reforms that will correct the dangerous electoral advantages enjoyed by the GOP. Statehood for D.C. is a no-brainer, as is restoring the reach of the Voting Rights Act. Scrap the Senate filibuster rule if need be. Criminalize intentional voter disenfranchisement. Make people go to jail for that. I absolutely agree. Yep. Expand the Supreme Court as necessary. And sixth... Start, I've said this before, start thinking about the 2022 midterms on day one. Mm -hmm. We have 15 months with a Biden presidency to get anything done. Well, if we let, yeah. Oh, I'm just saying that, just saying that, that the way they handle um, sex offenders is you have to go around your neighborhood telling people that a known sex offender, you, Mm -hmm. who you are, has moved into the neighborhood. I think if you're a civil rights offender, you should have to yeah. go around the neighborhood, tell people, hi, I'm your new neighbor, and I tried really hard to make sure you couldn't vote. Um, <laughs> and you got to go to every house on your fucking block in, in, in a three-block radius. Explain, And if they're not home, you got to leave a note saying, hi, my name is Drift Class, and I worked really hard to take away your right to vote. And Chris Kobach. You have yeah. to wear that. This is the thing. 
these people cannot be allowed to escape the judgment of history one more time. Right. Cannot. And so they have to, well, we have to find the scarlet letter bright enough and permanent enough to affix to them so that people know two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, oh, you were the assholes who elected Trump, right? Well, let me finish, let me finish this because sure. it's right, it's right along the lines of what you're saying. Democrats must internally rebrand their party as the party of grassroots organizers. That entails more than a PR campaign. It will require funding, empowering, and privileging grassroots organizations and putting the DNC apparatus at their disposal. Right. Primary challenges should not be discouraged. Factional disputes should be viewed as good faith differences of opinion unless they undermine the shared partisan purpose and the mutual respect that an ethos of dignity requires. Okay. Finally, stoke negative partisanship. Americans, whether they're swing voters or party activists, must go to the polls in 2022 and 2024 with a strong and valid fear of letting the GOP back into power. Mm Mm-hmm. Thus, always be negatively branding the GOP in the eyes of swing or persuadable voters. Exactly what approach to take in the branding operation is a complex question, but suffice it to say that it must be undertaken and that the master narrative is the Republican Party can no longer be trusted with power. Absolutely. Repeat this at every opportunity. Then verify this narrative by investigating and bringing to light all Republican misdeeds. Brand them as Republican Party misdeeds, not as aberrant Trumpist corruption. So don't don't you dare call it Trumpism. It is the Republican Party. (laughs) I've heard that before somewhere. I think that as we see these viral videos of people not wearing masks, of people being violent, of people using the N-word, of people screaming, etc. Branding that, well, that's a typical Republican. Yep. That's a typical Republican right there. And, that, and make sure that on social media you say, oh, look, it's another typical Republican saying what they really think. That, and that's where political hobbyism comes in handy. Because Right. It really – <laughs> whatever. I don't on, call it that. I no, hate to call it that. But but you can get on Facebook and, and this is yeah. – I, I find these threads in my civilian life all over the place locally mm-hmm. about, oh, my God, can you believe these idiots and those idiots and these assholes? And can you believe that they're suing to make sure people don't wear masks in school? And, you know, what the hell is wrong with these people? And the answer is they're Republicans. They're Republicans. They're Republicans. <laughs> Just repeat yes. it. This is one one lesson. I'm going back to 1994 in my mind when I was begging my, my liberal friends, for God's sakes, learn a lesson from Newt Gingrich. Mm-hmm. He's an evil, evil pig human. You know, he's just a monster. But learn from him that you, you get a fixed vocabulary, a short clearly understood vocabulary for describing the other side and you repeat the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Every time you see them doing something, it's a Republican. It's not a Trumpist. It's not an independent. It's not Congress. It's not, MAGA. It's not it, Congress. Right. It's Republicans. And you just go over and over and make yourself a nuisance. Oh, it's that Republican guy. Yeah, well, isn't aren't they Republicans? Well, yeah, I suppose so. And make them eat it. They yep. made this sandwich. Yep. They smeared shit all over it. Put, shove it down their throat every time, every opportunity you get. These Republicans doing what Republicans have always done. Do not let them call themselves independents. Do not let them pretend they didn't vote for this shit. Don't let them escape this time because you'll pay for it tenfold the next time mm-hmm. they regroup and come back with President Tom Cotton. Right. So speaking of Republican voters. Yes. You want to talk about Damon Linker. Yes. I had a wonderful article in The Week. This is the thing that um, – uh, there's a, a, a raging argument among 
um, the elite uh, white male conservative people uh, that I, I listen to as one listens to enemy broadcasts um, about whether the Republican Party should be burned to the ground or whether the Republican Party is salvageable, can be taken intact and reformed through something, something, something. You know where I stand. Right. Uh, but the, the, the one thing that none of them talk about because they don't dare talk about it is what we've talked about many, many times on this podcast, which is the Republican voters are the problem. This is toxic real estate and somebody's going to build something on this toxic real estate because it's just too big and too valuable to ignore. So what they're going to build there is going to be horrible. And Damon Linker, for bless his heart, actually goes directly at the problem in an article entitled The Republican Problem No One Knows How to Solve. And and he goes on, in the raging debate among Trump critical conservatives over whether the goal of November should be merely to defeat the president or to pursue a more radical strategy of burning the Republican Party to the ground, I'm firmly on the side of scorched earth. And the case for maximalism is strong. He goes on to all the reasons why the Republican Party should be disposed of. So, yes, it would be a very good for the Republican Party of Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, Lindsey Graham, Louis Gohmert, Devin Nunez, and all the rest of them to be leveled to the ground so a wholly new party, a more reasonable responsible, principled, and honorable party can be built in its place. There's just one difficulty with this plan. It does nothing to address the root of the problem, which no one, not even the minimalist Trump haters and not the fiercest maximalist out to pummel the party's establishment has a clue how to solve. That is the problem of the Republican voter. Every one of those politicians from Trump on down to Gohmert and Nunez and beyond was elected by these voters. In the mm -hmm. midst of a pandemic that's killed 160,000 Americans in under six months and that the president shows no sign of understanding how to combat, his approval rating among Republicans is at 91%. Thanks to his thanks to this unshakable support, his overall approval has barely dipped below 40% through the nightmares of the recent month and is currently creeping back up towards his norm of the past year, around 42%. Th that may, God willing, be low enough for Trump to lose his bid for re-election to presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden. But the loss, if it happens, will come despite his continued support from the overwhelming majority of Republicans, not because they, with a handful of well-publicized exceptions, have abandoned him. That is the problem. What to mm -hmm. do with these toxic, waste-dump human beings who are going to linger in our political environment for decades. And it's a problem that we can solve, I think, only by identifying it as a problem. Mm -hmm. You have to start saying Republicans, the Republicans you know, the Republicans in your family, the Republicans you work with, the Republican business owners, in your, in your, they are the problem. You have to start treating them as disease carriers, people you want to stay away from, people you want to keep your mm -hmm. friends away from. You have to make them know that you know that they are a blight on your community. Maybe they'll reform. Maybe they won't. But pretending they don't exist, pretending that they're just normal folks going through a normal day and you and they don't have you know that much uh, difference in opinion is bullshit. They have a radical ugly, racist vision for this country that they are absolutely committed to, and you don't. And that vision is what created Donald Trump. And you need to hold them personally in your community accountable for the horrible shit they've said and done and not let them skate, not, th not let them burn their Trump yard signs and become another Tea Party and pretend they never had anything to do with this. You can't allow that to happen. And that can only mean point a finger and say, no, fucker, you're the problem. You did this. You're the bad guy. And don't let them 
pretend otherwise. Don't let them both sides their way out of it. Don't let them, yeah, but liberals their way out of it. Don't let them look over there. There's something else. We Don't let them change the subject at, you know, titties and sports. <laughs> don't let right. them do any right. of that shit. And it might not work, but I can't think of a better solution, any solution that doesn't begin with identifying the problem for what it is. And the problem is from the top of the party down through its communication apparatus on hate radio and on television, down to the grassroots, it's all rotten and all has to go. You had something you wanted to say about Ray Bradbury's Night Call Collect. I, I just pulled up an old post from I, I wrote a couple of years ago, and it's a short story by Ray Bradbury about um, a man stranded on Mars. Um, and has been there for decades and thought he has been left behind. He's become an old man on Mars. And during his time on Mars, he spent a lot of his time automating the city that he lives in, automating the phone system, automating the, the, the jukeboxes, automating the, the restaurants. So it appears to be alive because he can't stand the, the, the idea of being lonely. The problem is he, and he automated the entire system based on his younger, crueler, more vicious, more idiotic, more heartless self. So now he's an old man. And the city which he created as a young man turns on him. Ooh. And starts telling him, you know what? There's a rescue ship coming on the other side of Mars. You have to get there in a hurry. Got to hurry up. Now, they, the city knows he has a bad heart. The city knows that, that it might kill him. Doesn't care. And this guy... Are you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, I know it's been a long, lonely, many, many decades up here on Mars, but the rescue ship has finally arrived, but you got to get there quick. Got to get there in a, in a hurry. And he has to throw everything together and haul ass across Mars to get to the rescue ship. I'm not sure, but I believe the ending is he drops dead of a heart attack, but I don't remember uh -huh. if that's the actual ending. The point being, the never-Trumpers, <laughs> the Republican Party, are being tortured by the younger, crueler version of themselves. Mm. This is not something someone else did to them. This is not something some outside force imposed on them. This is the party that their sadistic, younger, asshole selves put together giddily, happily, money pouring in from all sides doing it because it's mm -hmm. very profitable to create this. 1994. Yep. And yep. now that city, that, that machine they put in motion has turned on them. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to take responsibility for the fact that the voice coming out of the voice box telling them, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Just run like hell and risk your life. That voice is their own goddamn voice coming to them mm -hmm. across the decades. Mm -hmm. What you got to do is suppress the black vote. Mm -hmm. You got to do it. Yeah. Got to do it. Yeah. Anyway, I thought a little science fiction might be in order because I haven't touched that on that in a long time. Yeah. 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 Thank you. You're welcome. Let's do a news roundup. Cool. After you, my dear. All right. Trump has declared TikTok a national emergency and signed an executive order barring transactions with its parent company. Is that federal government transactions? Is that how is he going to do I, this? Who knows? He's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Transactions with its parent company starting in forty-five days. Yeah. And I, I wonder if this isn't, you know, the Manchurian candidate thing of Heinz fifty-seven. Yeah, there are fifty-seven republic. There are fifty-seven communists in the military because. Mm -hmm. 45 he's president 45 so yeah. that 40 we'll do it in 45 days yeah uh it, it seems like a very random number um, well very much like the the random number of weeks until our brand new healthcare system shows two up. weeks right yeah. which was three weeks ago and yeah. then it was also 171 weeks ago yes yeah, that he said we were going to have a great health care plan in two weeks don't remember stuff honey it'll just it'll just cause and you then pain. well and 
people did note on Twitter the anniversary of that in two weeks this time. They mm-hmm. did, oh, you know, two weeks ago, and today he's golfing and has no plan and no executive order. And so I went and found those tweets and said, yeah, that was a week ago. Why aren't you asking him this? <laughs> well, is it, And the it, thing is, part of me, this is, goes back to take Trump seriously or not, or take him too seriously or not seriously enough. Do I really want Donald Trump to write an executive order on my health care? No, I don't. No. I don't want to hold him that accountable to the point where he goes, fine, I'm just going to cancel all health care. Well, I think you called my attention to the uh, Onion headline summarizing uh-huh. Jonathan Swan's interview. D.C. journalists in awe of Australian reporter able to speak to Trump without succumbing to his raw animal magnetism. Right. You know, this guy just well, said the idea that Jonathan Swan gets all this praise for when Donald Trump says many people. Yeah. And he said, who? For who are you journalism. talking about? Who are the people that you're talking about? No, the, many people. Who? And there's a laundry list of prominent D.C. journalists who've had interviews with Trump who could have done exactly the same thing. Right. A prominent right. among which is Chuck Todd, who were cowards, who just yeah. didn't ask, hey, where's that health care program? Remember, remember 152 weeks ago when you said you have a health care system? You were going to have a great health care program. Remember that? In Whatever happened to April that? April of 2017, you said it was going to be two weeks. Well, we're going to yeah. have it up in, no, in a short period of time. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, many people. Well, what people? And it, it is asking the most basic questions. When you say, many people ask which ones. When you say, yeah. experts say, which ones. When you say, read the books, which books. These are not gotcha questions any more than asking no. Sarah Palin what she reads is a gotcha question. But apparently, the word is out among the Beltway journalists that if you ask Donald Trump a follow-up question, we will spank you and take your show away from you or whatever. And that is doesn't bode well for the future of journalism, which I think is pretty much already the future of democracy. And that's the problem is you drive through that gate of the White House and it's a privilege to be there. And so the your respect for the institution of the presidency and the institution of the Justice Department as well. You don't question when the when the attorney general says the Mueller report says X, Y and Z. When it doesn't. Absolutely. When it doesn't. Um. Speaking of journalists who actually do a pretty good job, I just thought I'd mention this this headline from Brother Charlie Pierce. They held a hearing so Ted Cruz could say Antifa a bunch of times on C-SPAN. And yeah. that's all that was. It, you know, and this, that's what Sally Yates' hearing was about, too, was yeah. Lindsey Graham being tough on Sally Yates. And as you put in our notes, Sally Yates drank all of Lindsey Graham's milkshake. Yeah, it was. Uh, by, by being factual. Mm-hmm. And making the simple state, making everything very simple, we we didn't surveil the Trump campaign. No, we didn't did, do that. It didn't happen. And and this is why you could we could do a five hour news roundup every day right. of all the shit that happens. But it's really all you need to know is all Republicans are terrible people, and that's all <laughs> need to go. I hope people will come back and listen yeah. to us in spite of that. Well, but. It, but it is every news roundup should just have a little asterisk. Oh, and and this happened because all Republicans are terrible people and they all have to go. Yeah. Um, this is the week that Donald Trump insisted the coronavirus pandemic will go away like things go away, which is almost a Johnny Cash lyric when he covered hurt, <laughs> but not quite. I get that. I don't think Trump knows that. Uh, my view is the school should open. This thing is going away. This uh, followed a coronavirus task force meeting in the Oval Office this week. A person familiar with the meeting said that Trump is still basically incapable of dealing with the severity of the pandemic. Quote, he still doesn't get it, the person said. I imagined him shaking his head and crying into his shorts. He still doesn't get it. Joe Biden, meanwhile, weighed in saying, 
Donald Trump continues to live in a world of delusion. Oh my God, how yeah, how unpresidential. Can't both sides stop being so reckless with their language? Yeah. yeah. And remember in late July when Education Secretary Betsy DeVos claimed that the kids are the virus stoppers. Yeah. That didn't happen. Uh, we yeah. mentioned uh, Jonathan Swan's interview. He, uh, he he said that Donald Trump said that schools should remain open, should reopen because children are virtually immune. However, Facebook disagreed, uh, citing virus misinformation. It has deleted Donald Trump's post about the virtual immunity of children. And Donald Trump claimed without evidence, he lied. He lied. That it was possible the U.S. could have a coronavirus vaccine before the election. Yeah. And... Medical experts think that is ridiculous. Yes. Uh, oh, sooner than the end of year. Could be much sooner. Yeah. He told Geraldo Rivera. Oh. Yeah. Because there's another one. We want to have yeah. interview Trump and, and say, and who exactly says that's going to happen? Now, now this when is asked, a... oh, sooner than November 3rd, Trump replied, I think in some cases, yes. Mm-hmm. Possible before, but right around that time. Mm-hmm. Yes. I yes. think so. Yes. <laughs> Many Again, people. Do you many take them people. too seriously, or yeah. Do, what? Yeah. Okay. Now, now here's a heartwarming story. Um, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's it's it sort of is. Noted pervert and former NBC employee Mark Halpern is now working at Newsmax alongside Sean Spicer because, of course, he is. And Drift Class, I I went and looked that up. He has his own show now on Newsmax. Halpern. Halpern on Sundays. Oh. It's called Mark Halperin's Focus Group. Oh, no, And no, it's no. on Zoom. And it's a show. No, that's the wrong title. It's, it should be titled, That's Going to Leave a Mark with Mark Halperin. <laughs> Trump will reimpose 10% tariffs on aluminum imports from Canada for no reason other than Canada is making him look like an idiot. Yeah. Who said that living in Canada is now like living in the apartment above a meth lab? That was a good one. Yeah, yeah that was a good one. I just want to point out that the the one advantage of Mark Halperin on Zoom is that he can now do everything with no pants on. So <laughs> that's making him – he's a happy Disgusting. guy. Disgusting. Okay. Yeah. The State Department's acting inspector general has resigned less than three months after replacing the inspector general Donald Trump fired in May. He must have seen the state of the office. Yeah, just turned right I'm around. Just like, turned around. Didn't hang one – yeah. Not, not one picture on the wall, not one trophy yeah. on the shelf. Just nope. boom, out the nope. door. Mm-hmm. The Trump campaign is suing the state of Nevada over its plan. Now, here's the point where you take Trump seriously. Right, exactly. The Trump campaign is suing the state of Nevada over its plan to send absentee ballots to all active voters this November, falsely claiming that expanding mail-in voting would make voter fraud inevitable. At the same time, the Trump campaign is strongly encouraging voters in Florida to vote by mail after months of criticizing the practice. I assume he's gotten an assurance from the governor that Broward County ballots will go into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Donald Trump claimed he has the authority to issue an executive order addressing mail-in voting in the November election, despite the Constitution expressly giving states the right to run their own elections. And that's why that Nevada case should just be kicked right out. Yep. Uh, and this week, Trump blew off John Lewis's historic civil rights legacy and didn't go to the funeral and complained how the recently deceased civil rights icon made a big mistake by not coming to his inauguration. Yeah. He, you know, somebody should tell Trump, well, yeah, but your inauguration was so crowded. Right. 
There was no. <laughs> there were just too many people there. John Lewis couldn't get in. Remember? Too many. He was there. Don't you remember? He sat right behind you. He sat right behind you. Yeah, he he made, was there. You, oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of people were there. You know, um, all the people were there. Harriet um, Tubman was okay. there. Everyone was there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in local new- news, our congressman, our Republican congressman Rodney Davis, has COVID. Yeah. And I am sorry about that. Me and too. I wish him a speedy recovery. He actually has symptoms. Yes, he does. And so this is not good. And and I am sorry that he has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am also sorry that he voted multiple times to take away my health insurance. I'm, I'm even and, sorrier about that last one. Yeah. And I'm really sorry that he didn't lose last time the election came around. And I hope he loses in November. A lawsuit challenging school mask requirements was tossed out in Adams County, Illinois. Thank God. A pajamas ban for students learning from home has drawn a mixed response. Was that a headline in the local paper? It really was. It really, really was. Actually, no, that, that is, believe it or not, that is from NBC National News. Oh, um, God. A, a well, story- this is the thing that Middle Child flipped out about yesterday, uh-huh. which is the claim by that school supervisor in Georgia who said, well, you can't force kids to wear a mask. Sure. And this is a school district, like many, many, many school districts, that sends girls home if they wear spaghetti straps or leggings to school. They have what's called a dress code. Yeah. And they will measure, they will use a three by five index card to measure the length of a skirt. If it is five inches above the knee, it's too short. Got to go home. They use that five inch. They hold that five inch index card on a girl's knee. They pull her out in the hallway Mm -hmm. and put an index card on her knee. And if her skirt rides higher than that index card, they send her home. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, she (laughs) middle child had all kinds of swear words about, oh, we can't possibly require students to wear a mask during a pandemic no yeah this is so. but this is the flip side of that this is whether they're taking classes online or in person public school students in springfield illinois now must follow the dress code of the building and so no pajama pants which means oh if, prove it prove i'm prove i'm wearing pajama yeah pants. well there's the thing it's like i'm not wearing any pants why, what do you mean why, why pick <laughs> this fight why why are you picking this fight <laughs> Because because we have to have some modicum of control in our minds right. over our students. And That's we are – uh, well, I'm fairly convinced. I can't speak for you, but I'm fairly convinced that schools are going to start here on August 31st. And right. By, they're, doing, they're doing a hybrid thing where some classes are going to be in person right. and – and some, and it's going to last a week. It's going to last a week. Be maybe one two. kid that yep. tests positive, and that's it. And uh, one, one kid's uh, going to show up with a with a five degree fever, right. and that's it. And that's and they're going to test them, and it's going to be COVID, and they're going to shut the schools, all the schools down, mm-hmm. because you have teachers that do move from school to school, and you have you have administrators. Oh, it's that move insane! Around. You have you have teachers that push a cart all over the school. Yeah. Because there's not enough classroom space. And these t- these classrooms have 35 kids in them. And, so screw it. And you know? all the people who are saying, who've said now, because this the schools are only open by a very narrow vote of the school board. Right. There are a whole bunch of medical experts who said, are you kidding me? This is stupid. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. And they weren't listened to. What people who were listened to were the parents who understandably would like the schools to take their kids off their hands so they can be right. healthy and learn with their friends, which is all Every everyone wants that. Everyone wants and, that, and but it's a can, question of can we do it? And yeah. parents can go back to work, so they don't they don't have to have provide home daycare. 
which is an adult, which is a parent, which I completely understand. The problem is, again, this sort of short-term thinking. Great. Everyone wants that. What you are doing now virtually guarantees that a couple of weeks from now, we're going to have to undo the whole thing and start mm -hmm. all over again. Mm -hmm. Is that what you want? And as a grown-up, don't you have a responsibility to face that reality? And the answer is, I don't want to. I don't want to face that reality. I'm a Republican. I don't want to. Makes me very uncomfortable. I want just kids to go and go. And so fine, they'll go and then some will get sick and they'll shut the thing down and the rest of us will say, we told you so. And then David Brooks will write a column about the uncivility of the left and we'll all be back to where we started. And then come <laughs> November, we're going to have an election and by God, we're going to see this, that then, then things will change. But between now and then, it's you and me and all of our listeners just hang on to each other, hold each other virtually. And, well, and, and they, I was comforted once again by the Michelle Obama podcast and her saying low grade depression. Yeah. And everybody saying low grade, really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> she she has certain resources that some of the rest of she us does. don't. She does. Yes, but she's still, got her her book sales, but she's um, a human being and she's reacting like yeah. a human being. Um, and she's watching the news and she's getting depressed and aren't we all? Yeah. Yes. Each week, we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. But this week's extra special, this week's Internet Kitty, is a horse. Oh, my gosh. Yes. One of our listeners has a horse named Kamasa. Uh, Kamasa is sticking out a tongue in this picture, but not in disdain. And, of course, Kamasa eats freshly poured pet food, our fake sponsor. Whether you serve feed store perfection or dollar store dreck, your horse will trot around the paddock while you serve up some freshly poured horse food. Freshly poured, freshly poured. Oh, my Lord, it's freshly poured. This, I feel I really should do my Sam Elliott impersonation for, Not, for a horse. Let's see. We'll, we'll save it for next week. <laughs> Kamasa appreciates that. And you can visit Kamasa at our Facebook page or website. A very special horse indeed. And you can send your internet kitty or other pet to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, or you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions! Letter on the air unless you say otherwise. Hashtag save the post office. We got a package from Bart, and uh, Bart sent us a package with some coffee and some honey and cookies, and uh, yes, a whole bunch yes. of good stuff, including some cat treats. Mm -hmm. And Bart wrote us and said, I thought I'd include the cat treats for your kitties so my kitties don't get too fat. Thanks, Bart. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Listen, we we believe in this house that a fat cat is a happy cat. Well, we should let and people know that... <laughs> that uh, junior dude has taken to walking our older cat in the backyard. The older cat. He walks him around cat the backyard. Ha yeah. has become an absolute unbearable asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, the reason has. The reason this podcast has been interrupted a few times is we had to take that cat upstairs and lock it in a bedroom because he now just sits in the window or at the door all day long and goes, meow, 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 Yeah, I want to go out. I want to go out. Why can't I go out? I'm like, yeah. what so, happened to you? And, he, you know, he tasted the sweet, sweet smell he tasted uh, the sweet victory of of freedom. the outdoors and we've had really beautiful weather here yeah uh, yeah and we've the backyard had set, is... uh, something i didn't expect to have this summer we, yes. we tend to go from winter to 90 degrees and not have a lot of days of mm -hmm. cool 70 degree weather but we've eaten outside on the back porch yeah, lunch we, we got a nature Actually, show every day this week you can yeah we oh my gosh we had a nature show. show we had uh 
a hawk. Anyway, uh, we live in the country, folks. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is the cornfield resistance. It truly is. It really is. So hashtag save the post office. We love hearing from you. And we wanted to thank Bart very much for that box of goodies. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. This is not charity. This is our job and a labor of love. Approximately 1% of our listeners do support this podcast with a contribution, and you can too. See our website, proleftpod.com, for details. Our PayPal and postal address information is there at proleftpod.com. Please share our show on social media, and thank you so much for doing that. Hey, Drift Class, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties like the sound of Thailand a lot. Delicious, delicious chicken thighs. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, dubbing. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2019-2020. DGBG Productions.